Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 65. Today we're going to touch on some NFL news. We're going to touch on winners and losers from the past week and then preview future games as we always do. First and foremost, want to shout out my uh, co-hosts here, check in how they're doing. we got Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan. How are you both doing today? Little, little up and down. My my fantasy teams did uh, did not do very well this week, and the Packers, you know, they scraped by against the Jaguars, but um, they did win. So a win is a win, is a win is a win. So I'll take it where I can get it, because uh, you know the fantasy teams aren't looking very strong this year, and you know that's you got you got to enjoy the the little victories in life. Uh, right now, I'm living through Notre Dame football, and that's about it. So as long as they keep winning, <laughs> I'll be okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of rainy outside, you know, football was weird this past week, especially if you're a fan of any team in the NFC East, um, (laughs) odd, odd time. Uh, but you know, we're making the most of it here on the weekly spiral and we're bringing you the best in news and everything. Let's talk about, uh, the, uh, latest in NFL news. we got a few things, not overly exciting, but, uh, Winston, it's his time to shine in uh, new orleans oh, potentially if you're uh, Taysom hill you're just extremely sad that uh, <laughs> it is not your time to shine but uh what, what do we think here i mean drew Brees, multiple rib fractures collapsed lung which i didn't even realize i mean he wanted to go out and play again he, he like he was ready to to try to go out there and, and play but i don't even know he'd be he'd be wheezing and breathing like poorly and that, that i'd be very concerned to have my franchise qb go out there with a collapsed lung but uh, Jameis Winston, what do we think here? How many interceptions is he going to throw? In the rest of the season? <laughs> well, well, with Drew Brees, uh, first off, that I guess flag, quote unquote flag, that got him injured wasn't even a flag to begin with. But as goes to show, when you're 43 years old and you get hit by a 280 pound plus guy, you're going to get hurt. You know that, that's why uh, Tom Brady does not try to get hit as much as he can. Uh, but hopefully, he returns back. I mean, collapse lung is an actual scary injury. Uh, but answer your question about Jameis interceptions, I will put the over under at two and I will hammer the over. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Sean Payton is holding out on declaring a true starter until late in the week because I don't know if he's just playing little games where he's like, Taysom, man, I don't know how to break this news to you, so I'm just going to string it out as long as possible and, uh, <laughs> you know, hope someone leaks something somewhere so that I don't really have to tell you. Um, but I, even if Jameis is with the Saints and, and starting, I I still feel relatively confident about them. Um, they're playing really well on both sides of the ball. Michael Thomas is back. Um, so as long as he doesn't throw the game away like he can sometimes be prone to do, I, I think the Saints will be fr- fine. I, I really don't know what the timeline is for, for rib fractures and a collapsed lung. I can't imagine he's going to be back this week, but maybe in two or three weeks or something, put a flak jacket on those ribs and, uh, you know, get the ball out of your hand pretty quickly. He's no Tony Romo, though. Tony Romo finished a game with some oh, yeah. uh, a punctured lung, lung against the, the 49ers of all teams Yep, uh, a yep. number of years ago. Yeah, I think the optimistic timetable from what I saw is two to three weeks. Um, I'm going to say realistically probably probably three to four would be the, the realistic return time. Uh, so, I mean, all Jameis has to do is weather the storm, but the Bucks are, are hot on the heels of the Saints, so I don't know. This is a, this could be a big playoff-implicating injury here for the NFC South. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And apparently, if you want a, a big contract the next year, go back up Drew Brees because he's going to get hurt, and Teddy Bridgewater did it yeah. last year, and now it's an opportunity for Jameis Winston to sort of revitalize his career and show that he's he's grown and learned. Yeah, absolutely. If he can game manage, I think they'll be fine. If he uh, literally throws games away like he did on the Bucks, uh, then there might be some issues. But <laughs> that'll be interesting to, to follow and see what, what the uh, Saints do. Um, another piece of news we got, Andy Reid and GM Brett Veach signed contract extensions. This is interesting. I think uh, Andy Reid has solidified himself as one of the greatest of all time as a head coach, and um, Chiefs are not letting him go anywhere. So what do we think here? Andy Reid's uh, in his 60s now, I believe, or late 50s at least. So he's he's not a young guy, but when you're coaching Patrick Mahomes, your job gets a lot easier. So it's okay. Do I want to make another $7 million a year and coach Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, sure. I'll do that, of course. So, of course, he's going to take any contract extension. Uh, Brett Veach has done a great job building that roster. And to me, this kind of shows for sure that Eric Bieniemy, their offense coordinator, 
will be leaving uh, this offseason because now he has no path to being the Chiefs head coach. So uh, that just confirms what we've all thought all along, that he is the top head coaching candidate this offseason. Yeah, well-deserved for sure. I mean, they, you know, drafting Patrick Mahomes and, and giving him all those weapons and, and being competitive sort of from the get with Andy Reid, even when Alex Smith was there, sort of shows the, the quality of coach he was. And we always sort of knew that because he was a great coach with the Philadelphia Eagles. He just couldn't get over the hump with the, the Super Bowl win. And now that he's done that, you know, I, I imagine this is probably going to be his last stop, and he wants to write out his career with Patrick Mahomes, like you said, and that, that makes things a lot more fun when you have a quarterback that can do things like he does and uh, have all those weapons to play with on, on offense. Yeah, this might be the best quarterback he's had um, as a head coach, so I don't blame him for wanting to stick around Kansas City, and uh, I'm sure he's going to make some good money there. Let's talk about uh, the highest paid offensive lineman now. Speaking of money, David Bakhtiari, $23 million per year contract extension, highest paid offensive lineman ever. What do we think here? Deserved? Undeserved? Casey, you have your own thoughts on on Bakhtiari, I'm sure. Uh, Very well deserved in my eyes. He might not be the best run blocking offensive tackle, but as far as pure pass blocking, I think he's probably number one in the league. Um, uh, he's not bad run blocking either by, by any means, but he, for me, he's definitely a top three guy at, at that position. And, um, regardless of whether Aaron Rodgers is behind center or Jordan love or whoever else it may be, um, you want a guy that's going to protect that blind side and is going to be a staple, a leader on that offensive line and, uh, well worth it in my eyes. And, uh, glad to see that he's uh, going to be a Packer for quite some time. Yeah, it's a smart move, uh, and like you alluded to, uh, you Aaron Rodgers right now as your quarterback, and then eventually one would think Jordan Love in two years uh, takes over, and you'll be paying Jordan Love not much money for a quarterback. So what you have to do is surround him with a lot of support, a lot of money around him. So $23 million seems like a lot, because uh, David Bakhtiari, very good, like you said, but he's not seen as a dominant you know, left tackle that's you know, a... Tyron Smith in his prime, for example, but he's a very good player, and I think that's a smart deal for the Packers, and like you said, can do a little bit of everything, but no matter what, he's still young too. He's only 29, I believe, which mm-hmm. isn't that old uh, for offensive linemen. They can look at Andrew Whitworth before he got injured uh, this weekend, unfortunately. He's 39 and still rocking, so he still has five, six years, I think, at least in the tank of being a high-level uh, tackle. Yeah, this kind of sets the market, too, for for left tackles. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think the highest-paid left tackle, you don't immediately probably realize who it is, and it's actually Laramie Tunsil before this deal, <laughs> which doesn't necessarily make sense from a talent perspective. So considering that he's making one more million per year on average than Laramie Tunsil, and he's, in my mind, an infinitely better left tackle, I think it's a good value from that perspective. So... You know, it's it's a good signing. I think we've seen teams fail because of the offensive line, um, and I'm a huge believer in building through the trenches. So I like the move. I think it's a, I think it's a good one for sure. Um, let's talk about an interesting storyline of the week here. We got some more fun Antonio Brown information. Um, as if as if you know we we didn't already expect it. Before signing with Tampa, Antonio Brown apparently was accused of angrily destroying a surveillance camera in South Florida, in, in a gated community, throwing a bike at a security guard shack. Um, and he wasn't charged because the president of the HOA was scared. He feared retaliation, according to the police. So I I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what, what people expected, uh, but this guy's clearly got some issues, <laughs> and and we're seeing it manifest now. So what do we think here? I mean, does this is there any implication on the field here? Like, is he not going to play? Are they going to cut him? I mean, what, what well, happens? I mean, when I saw the story, I wasn't surprised. I was like, "Oh well, Antonio Brown, like that's that's who he is. He's he's a nut job. He's crazy." Uh, I don't know in terms of repercussions. Will he be suspended, fined, or anything? I mean, there's there's obviously no proof because he destroyed all the the footage. So um, who 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 knows? I mean, I doubt anything happens. I mean, this guy has nine lives, uh, and I think I'm down seven or eight right now. But he's he's still going. I mean, he's still game blob playing time for the Bucks, so who knows? Antonio Brown, I'm I'm so sick of that guy. Yeah, I'm pretty over him as well, and also am unsurprised that uh, things are coming out 
that he uh, is not behaving as an angel as he would have uh, everyone believe uh, in the last, whatever, few months that he has been suspended or underground, so to speak. Um, but the guy, has he's been okay for Tampa, but he has 100 yards in two games. Um, mm-hmm. That's nothing world-beating. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans are, are more than fine in my eyes. He was never really worth the headache to begin with, I didn't think. Um, and it seems like he's just sort of proving that. The NFL is investigating it. They investigate all these things. Whether they'll actually suspend him, I I don't really know. Um, it seems like he should have a zero-tolerance policy where if he does anything like this, he's just done because it's, it's getting tired. He's, he's not a good dude. He's not a, a person that I would want in my locker room or interacting with my fans or anything like that. So um, I'm kind of done with him, and uh, I kind of hope that Tampa is as well. Yeah, I think when you sign a player like this, the expectation is sort of, you know, it's not a three strikes, it's not a two strikes, it's like a one strike and you're out situation. And this might be the strike. I don't I don't really even see the need. Like you had a player before you signed Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller was kind of on the rise as a receiver on the yeah. Bucks. He was playing yeah. pretty well. Um, to the point where people were picking up on picking him up as a fantasy option with some injuries on that team and he, he had some good games. So I'm not really sure there was the need initially to sign Antonio Brown. I mean, it is enticing. You're kind of going all in, right? You got Tom Brady, who's pretty old. You don't know how long he's going to last. You got um, a, a pretty stacked team right now. So that was an all-in move. I'm not sure that it was a necessary one, though. And I think we're seeing the uh, the uh, proverbial backfiring of that move. So we'll see. I, I think uh, Tampa's doing everything they can to stay uh, competitive in the NFC South and, and win that division. But... I don't know that Antonio Brown necessarily does that more than he's a distraction. All right, let's move on here. We got winners and losers of the past week. Um, some interesting ones here and some unfortunate ones as well, but we'll dive into the winners. Durgan, give us your first winner of the week uh, and why. Yes, sir. It's my Indianapolis Colts, the team in the preseason I had high expectations for uh, by digging off the bandwagon. Back on it now. Don't worry. Uh, they control their own destiny. <laughs> not worried. They control their own destiny. Not worried. Uh, they control their own destiny in the AFC South. Uh, they own the Titans. 17-4 and in 2010, 8-2 in Tennessee, which is pretty crazy to imagine. Because uh, the t- Titans some of those years have had somewhat good teams, actually. And in my eyes, they should have no worse than 10 wins this year, which uh, should get you in the playoffs, even though the AFC right now is looking real tough. I mean, that... Titans, who are 6-3 as of not right now, are like the ninth seed, which is pretty crazy. Um, but the Colts should be ahead of them. Uh, Frank Reich doing a great job. He's a really good coach. The offense, we've talked about this in the past, they don't really scare you. Uh, but they're, they're solid. Um, Jonathan Taylor isn't the, the running back we thought he'd be at this point. Uh, we thought they'd be kind of be one of the maybe top 15 running backs. He's kind of slow start to his career. Uh, but Naheem Hines... Touchdown machine the last few weeks. Uh, really good a dump-off option. Has some good speed, some good quickness. You got receivers. Uh, Jack Doyle, their tight end, he got hurt. That's unfortunate. Uh, T.Y. Hilton hasn't done much, but he's still a name. And you got young guys like Zach Pascal, Michael Pittman Jr. So they have options. They have a lot of big bodies. The offensive line is really good. And that defense, uh, we've mentioned in the past, great against the run. Uh, did a great job against the Titans. And shut down Tannehill in that passing game as much as they shut down uh, Derrick Henry in that run attack. Yeah, like you sort of said, there's nothing very inspiring about that team overall, but they play solid, sort of mistake-free, efficient football. Uh, they play solid defense. They don't give up big explosive plays. Um, they get the job. They do well enough on offense to, to move the chains and, and score enough points, and then if they can get a lead, they can just sort of close things out. Uh, and they just sort of dominated the, the Titans in the special teams game. I mean, they had a blocked punt. Um and uh, did some good things there as well. And the the Titans may be cause for concern because that defense has struggled for a number of weeks now. And uh, you know, if if you're you're going to rely on you know Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, you got to be able to get leads and and hold on to them and grind the clock out. And that's not really happening as consistently as it was at least late last year. Remember they had a, they had a very shaky start yeah. to the season last year yeah. and sort of turned things on late. So that's still possible. But um, the Titans got to get it going a little bit. Yeah, I'm not worried about the Titans per se, but 
I think this was an, a good win for the Colts because I think people were a little bit more worried about the Colts. But that defense, I want to just point out, is one of the top defenses in the league. I don't know that, that they get enough respect um, as they deserve, but the Colts defense is playing really well. Uh, well enough that Phillip Rivers has to go out there and just not make mistakes, and they win games like this 34-17. to 17. Uh, This wasn't what I expected at all. I'm just going to throw that out there. I thought the Titans would take this one. Um, so it's unfortunate because that was my pick. But anyways, <laughs> uh, deserving winner. Uh, you know, they, they get upset in my opinion. Um, but let's uh, let's dive into your winner, Casey. What do you have? Yeah, we'll, we'll stay on the topic of defense, and I'm going to go with the Rams and the Rams defense. They're top five in every category. They're second in yards per game. They're third in pass yards per game, fifth in rush yards per game, and second in points allowed per game with just 18.7. So they're fucking rolling right now on defense. And eight of their nine games, they've allowed just three points or fewer in the second half, um, which is kind of insane. That means they're making second half adjustments. They're shutting teams' offenses down. And uh, while that offense of the Rams hasn't been super inspiring, um, they do have the formula for being able to run the ball and run play action and sort of close teams out and sort of possess the ball. They haven't been as explosive as they started the season as, uh, or as they have been in the past, but I think props to McVay for making a pretty bold choice in deciding to fire Wade Phillips and hire Brandon Staley, who, uh, was working as a position coach the last two years or three years with Vic Fangio in uh, Chicago and in Denver and, uh, like that's that's not an easy decision to make because Wade Phillips is a very respected coach. Uh, he's had a lot of success, and to to move away from that and take a, a relative risk on an unknown guy um, is not something that a lot of coaches do. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is playing really well. He completely shut down DK Metcalf. Um, DK Metcalf didn't even get a target until one minute left in the third quarter, and uh, the two catches that he had were in zone, so it wasn't even really Ramsey's responsibility. Um, he he followed him sort of all over the field, and they made Russell Wilson look bad. I mean, talk a little bit about what Russell Wilson taking himself out of the MVP discussion. He's he's now had three of the last four games. He has over three turnovers. Uh, he has ten interceptions on the year. And the Rams may have just ended, you know, the let Russ cook era here a little bit um, because it seems like they need a running game. And Chris Carson being out has hurt them. And, uh, you know, that that offense still looked uh, unstoppable to a certain degree, even with those issues. And the Rams stopped them. So uh, I'm pretty high on them. Also a plug for the breakdown this week because I'm doing it on the Rams defense. So I'm a little bit more hyped on them than (laughs) I may normally be because I've been watching them a lot. But uh they're doing a really good job right now. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head talking about Brandis Daly coming in to replace uh, Wade Phillips. The first two years of the McVay area, uh, Wade Phillips was you know, not carrying the team, but that defense was lights out. Mm-hmm. Last year, they took a huge step back, and they were a below average to average at best defense, bringing an unknown guy, and now he's bringing this defense back to the top, maybe better than they've ever had in the last few years. And when I mean, look at the team – yeah, they have Aaron Donald, they have Jalen Ramsey, but they don't have incredible depth, uh, you know, from all three levels. But they're making it work. They're absolutely making it work. Aaron Donald uh, could be defensive player of the year. I mean, he's always up there. Uh, and like you said, the whole Wilson, let it rust cook era, yeah, no, they're not cooking much anymore. Right now, it's uh, not looking too good. It went from, you know, five-course meal to now cooking some uh, Chef Boyardee meals, looks like. <laughs> so, yeah. uh you have to think, I hate to say this, I'm not a Rams guy, but I think right now they have the best chance to win NFC West. Ooh, I don't know that I I don't know that I agree with that. Uh, not, but... not, 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 the, not, the, not the best team, not the best team, but best chance to win. Well, that's a great segue because my winner of the week, I think, has the best chance to win the NFC West. <laughs> oh, there you go. And that is the Arizona Cardinals. Listen, every win in the NFC West right now is hyper important. Every win counts. Um, this is the most competitive division in the league. I think I don't think there's anything as close where there's three teams vying for that top spot. And right now, with this win, with the Cardinals winning and the Rams winning, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and Arizona are all six and three. And Arizona has the tiebreaker. They've won two divisional games, so they're sitting at the top right there, making Bill O'Brien continue to look stupid, even though he doesn't have a job because of that hail mary toss to DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> to win that game against regress to the mean Bills. 
So, <laughs> listen, I think, dude, the Cardinals are legit. They have a very dynamic offense. Their defense is solid. It's not amazing. Um, but, look, this was a competitive game, man. And, and the Seahawks the Seahawks losing and, and everything just kind of falling into place. This is this is up for grabs. Any team in the NFC West, except maybe the probably the Niners, could win this division. So, True. I'm keeping a close eye on this. This is going to be one of the most exciting ends to the season in the NFC West that we've had in a while, and uh, potentially any division. So I got to I got to give the Cardinals a winner. They're sitting at they're sitting at the top of the NFC West, one of the most competitive divisions. Yeah, and it'll be interesting because the the Cardinals and the Rams haven't played yet, and they have two yeah. of those matchups yeah. here, uh, December sixth, and then the last game of the year, which could be for Ooh. the division. Um, so th- those will be big matchups. The Cardinals are playing the Seahawks, which was one of our games of the week uh, this week, and they, you know, they they stole a victory from the Bills because they they really should not have won that. DeAndre Hopkins just uh, went up and and snatched that ball away from the three defenders for the Bills. Uh, and props for I don't know if you saw the little clip. Kyler Murray is so small he couldn't even see over his lineman when he threw the ball. So he turned around and looked at the scoreboard to to see the whether DeAndre Hopkins caught it or not. He like threw it and turned around and looked at the scoreboard and and that's how he saw it because he couldn't awesome. see over everyone uh but, that's but so cool they're, they're playing really they're playing really well uh murray is taking a, a big sophomore year step and uh you know like you said deandre hopkins is balling out and make, making bill o'brien look stupid i 100 agree i mean we'll talk about this more later cardinals and uh seahawks but in terms of Kyler murray i mean he is moving up the MVP uh, race. I don't think the favorite right now, obviously, as Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. But you look at the numbers between him and Russell Wilson, and I think numbers-wise, Kyler Murray's had a better year. I mean, yeah, yeah, Wilson has had more touchdown passes, but Murray is so dynamic as a runner. I mean, I think he's scored almost every game or it has every game on the ground. So he is so dynamic. Uh, obviously, the rocket arm that he showed that last play. But the Cardinals, I'm not sold on them long-term this year in terms of them actually making an impact in the playoffs. But this team uh, is going to be good for a long time as long as Kyler Murray stays healthy. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to the other side here. Let's talk about losers of the week. Durgan, hit us with your first loser and uh, why they are unfortunately mm-hmm. considered as such. Yeah, um, the Broncos. And uh, Cyrus and I are Drew Locke. We're Drew Locke uh, fans. <laughs> I, I've sold all my stock in Drew Lock. Fifty-five uh, percent passing, seven ten touchdown uh, interception ratio, and he has weapons. Like he's not like he's throwing to nobody. Uh, they have KJ Hamler, Ju- uh, Judy, uh, Noah Fant, two good running backs, and Pat Shermer, who by all accounts historically is a good offense coordinator. So I, I don't know what they're thinking long term at quarterback at this point because you're kind of in a tough spot where you've won too many games. But look at the remaining schedule. I think they might have one or two wins max, which put them at five, drafting roughly 10th, give or take. But look at the division. And you have Mahomes, got Herbert, uh, the emerging Raiders offense, Derek Carr is playing very well. And you have by far the worst quarterback in the division. And then Vic Vangio, he's not a young coach. He's kind of a coach to step in, make them competitive right now, and see what happens. And they're not winning games. It's only his second year. I don't think he's going to get fired after this year, but he will have the hottest seat, I would imagine, next year. Hey, man, I, I tried to let you guys know yeah, a long hey, time right. ago, and uh, I did a breakdown on, on Drew Locke a couple of weeks ago as well, and he still has some of those same issues where he, he struggles in the pocket. He likes to escape the pocket very early at any sign of pressure, and then he's on the move and his mechanics sort of fall apart. Um, his drop mechanics are not very good. And, uh, you know, he's starting to read the field a little bit better, but he's still, you know, we we wanted to see more of a jump from him in this year than we are. And I said, by we, I mean, you guys, I didn't really want to see it because I wanted to be right about him. But, uh, (laughs) you you know, uh, he's got a ton of talent. I'm not ready to close the door on him completely. There's still a few games, you know, a number of games left in the season. He can sort of turn the the, the corner and, and look good. Then, you know, I think he's worth holding on to. But, he, he's right on the cusp of losing his job because if they're at 10, like we've talked about before, there's a lot of quarterbacks coming out this year. And uh, if you're not confident in the guy you got um, and you're sitting at 10 or you can finagle your way up to like 8, 6 or something and get the third best quarterback, uh, that might be something the Broncos have to consider doing. Listen, 
in in my opinion, he is still essentially in what I would consider his rookie season. This is game. I mean, he played five last year. He's played seven this year. That's do the math real quick. Twelve, right? Mm-hmm. Still not necessarily through a full season of game action. And with a limited off season, no preseason, very little training camp, I think it's it's a little bit hard to come in as a quarterback. We're seeing people do it, which is making our expectations a little higher. I mean, you see Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Tua playing well. Um, Drew Locke's not at those guys' level. We know that. But am I ready to sell all my stock like Durgan and, and defund my investment <laughs> in Drew Locke? No, I'm not ready for that yet. I still have some hope. He's still got the talent. I think he needs to be coached up a little bit more. Um, it doesn't help that Cortland Sutton is out for the year. That guy is a legit weapon for that team. Jerry Judy's still a rookie. KJ Hamler's still a rookie. Noah Fanton is like second or third year. This is a young team. So, you know, let's not pretend that he's in the best situation and underperforming, right? Um, is he playing well? No. There's no argument to be made that he is. But I still think there's potential, and I'm not ready to, to completely give up on, um, on Drew Locke. So, we'll see only time will tell but it's still early and you know who else had a bad rookie season peyton manning so oh (laughs) i'm just saying you know it's the go-to for every you know also who also had a bad rookie season jamarcus russell okay (laughs) fair i'm just saying it could go either way right we don't know where we don't know yet it's still too early to completely give up that being said if you're sitting at 10 and the guy a guy you really love at quarterback falls in your lap you 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 gotta you gotta take him right but that doesn't mean sell the farm and go move up for the number one pick and blah 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 etc yeah uh true lock can still get it done and and i think if anything it's a reflection more on the scheme and and the coaching than his talent because he's got he's got the arm talent he makes poor decisions and he needs help so we'll see if he gets it but let's go let's go to your loser casey who do you got uh this week yeah i got the baltimore ravens and uh for a team that uh you know had super bowl hopes coming into the season and had a hype a lot of hype around them the the afc north is kind of gone you know yeah you're sitting at six and three and the steelers are undefeated right now and it doesn't look like the steelers are slowing down anytime soon so uh now you're fighting for a wild card and as Durgan alluded to earlier, there are a ton of teams in the AFC this year. I mean, you got the Dolphins at six and three. You have the Raiders at six and three. You have the Titans at six and three. Uh, you have the Browns at six and three. So the Ravens are not a lock for the playoffs, regardless of how soft their schedule may look. They still have another matchup with the the Browns. Um, you know, they're not safe. And bad weather conditions against the Patriots. Uh, everyone sort of threw that game away and was like, well, there's no way the, the Ravens lose that game. But the Patriots came to came to play. Uh, I saw in a press conference after that um, Cam Newton was saying, you know, th- throwing the ball was like throwing a medicine ball because it was just waterlogged and soaked and so heavy. So, uh, you know, Lamar did okay. He made a couple nice throws. He made one really, really stupid throw at the end of the half uh, for an interception. Um they had some really bad snaps. They just did not play a good team game. And that's sort of been their thing. When they have turnovers and they have mistakes, it's hard for them to overcome. And some of it is Lamar's fault, but also who on that team is there to bail Lamar out? If Lamar isn't having a great game, who can bail him out? There's not a lot of guys. Hollywood Brown isn't like routing people up and making people miss and doing all these things. He's sort of a burner, one-trick bony. Mark Andrews, like, is that the guy you want to rely on? to to make big plays for your for your season think about Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey like cool you have one guy but he has so many more weapons that in Kansas City versus Lamar Jackson who doesn't really have very many options so when he can't get going it makes that really tough especially if you're down by a score or so and you, you get away from the running game and Mark Ingram is a little banged up uh, there's definitely some blame to go around but there for a team that had like whatever Durgan loves to say 12 pro bowlers or something last year 14 not a 14. lot of 14 there's not a lot of you know the offensive line is also injured on both sides some really important guys lost there there's not a ton of skill guys outside to to help Lamar out so for the listeners just just so everybody knows Durgan is smiling ear to ear as Casey <laughs> mentions his loser this week since he is the biggest uh, Ravens hater that there is but yeah, go ahead Durgan true. give us your thoughts on Casey's loser I know you have a lot to say no no I'm gonna keep them short because we're gonna talk about the Ravens later and we can spend it an entire episode talking about my disdain for Lamar Jackson. But one thing I'm, I am legitimately worried about this offense is what Lamar said in a press conference last week. 
and that he's saying that defenses are starting to call out their plays. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things, okay, is it Lamar or is it Greg Roman? You know my answer is going to be Lamar, but I'm looking at the flip side here. Greg Roman's offenses are creative in the sense they're so much different than what anybody else is running, but it's the same offense he ran in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick. It's read option, uh, and if that's not open, you're going to roll out, look for your tight end, look for that receiver option, and if they're not open, you're going to scramble and run. And after a while, teams will figure that out and catch up to it, and it doesn't matter how athletic Lamar is, unless he becomes a you know prolific pastor, which we can all agree he's not at this point in his career, it's mm-hmm. going to be tough for them to replicate last year's success, uh, especially without Ronnie Stanley, their franchise left tackle. So I think the Ravens do make the playoffs because they're just much talented than everybody else. And their schedule, uh, like you said, they still have some few tough games, but I think they'll get a few bounces going their way and they'll, they'll get in. But, I mean, I just don't think this team has a Super Bowl chance this year. It sounds kind of crazy, but you look at look at the Chiefs. Chiefs can score a million points. They can jump ahead of you, and that'll be it for the Ravens. Ravens cannot afford to go down two scores and try clawing away back into it. It hasn't happened, and I'm not sure at this point it will happen. Yeah, they're not a come-from-behind team. They're just not built like that. Um, but, I mean, I think at the same time, I mean, Lamar Jackson, is he having his MVP caliber season? No. Is he having a really bad season? No, I don't think he is. I think he's having a you know a decent season. Um, but this team is not the elite juggernaut that we thought they were. And I don't know exactly what it is, but when you know when we, when we talk about it, in case you went through it, there's not really like any top tier weapons on this team. I mean, you could make Hollywood Brown, you can make a case for him, but he's a young player. Uh, Mark Andrews probably one of the best tight ends in the league, but that's really about it as a re- for receiving options. And then you know with uh, Ingram a little banged up, you got a rookie in J.K. Dobbins. There's not much, so I, I think that's a good point that you made, Casey. And, and we'll see. I think uh, we'll see what they do to retool this team, but. They need a little bit more if they're going to stay competitive with the Chiefs. I still think they're probably second or third best team in the AFC, though. All well, right. what about uh, some teams that are maybe collectively the bottom <laughs> the bottom four teams Thank in the you NFC? For, appreciate you teeing up my loser of the week. Um, it's it's an easy one. I almost think this is sort of a cop out at this point, just picking them as a loser because it's obvious. Uh, there's no justification. There's nothing really that I need to say, but my loser for the week is just the NFC East as a whole. This is the worst division in football. It is the antithesis to the NFC West. You like that fancy word that I used? Pretty good, right? It's a big one. I know. Hurt my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just like the NFC East hurts my brain. So (laughs) I think, honestly, I think the winner of this division could have six or seven wins. The winner of this division will have a losing record, I think. At this point, Uh, and it is a travesty for a few reasons. One, because the Eagles are in this division, and that is my team. But two, because (laughs) I think that means that a team that is not deserving of being in the playoffs will get in the playoffs. And there's a larger conversation to go along with this. Maybe it's something we discuss in one of our sort of lighter content episodes in the off season. But I almost feel like maybe the NFL needs to reconsider the playoff structure and the format. And this is an example of why. And it doesn't happen often, but this is an example of why. Yeah, I would I would lean if you want a sneak peek on our off season you know episode talking about this. I would lean as keeping it the same. I mean, there's there's been a lot of injuries in that division, and this, like you said, it's a very unique situation. If you think maybe Dak Prescott stays healthy, you know the the Cowboys might not be world beaters, but they may end up being like eight and eight, and no one's throwing a sure. huge fit sure. about you know, mm-hmm. this being the situation. And ultimately you gotta win your division games. Everyone knows what it is going in. You gotta take care of your division games. I think seeding might be a more interesting conversation. Yep. Um taking away that home game if you're like an awful division winner. Uh if you're six and ten, you shouldn't have a home game. Be the seventh seed and have to go against the first seed and improve your way that way. Yeah. I think that's maybe a little bit more realistic. But um yeah the nfc east is just not good it's lots of surprises though you know i didn't think the giants were gonna win so i didn't uh, either. uh that that was that was something yeah i actually thought washington was gonna beat the lions too um, i know they yeah, almost did alex smith could've... played played pretty well uh yeah. didn't throw any touchdowns but had like 380 yards or something like that led them back three touchdowns down and then uh matthew stafford found a way to get a field goal at the end yeah, Prater knocked in that 59-yarder. Good on him. Um, go ahead, Durgan. You had some thoughts? I mean, I I completely agree with Casey in terms of uh, the schedule or the playoff seating, how they should still get in 
but make them the seventh seed, make them have to earn their spot, earn their actual uh, keep, making the playoffs. And uh, you know what? I'm not going to. The Eagles should win a division, but I'm not going to be shocked if the Giants pull it out. Because look at what they've done over the past month and a half or so. They haven't been good, but they've had some close losses against some okay teams. They had a close loss against the Rams, uh, against the Bucks. One could argue they should have put that game into overtime. So they're not good, but they're kind of trying to figure out how to win or how to at least be competitive, which for NFC East is all you need. Yeah, I mean, all these teams are bad. Like, let's not beat around <laughs> yeah. the bush here. Every well, yeah, single all one bad, of these like, teams are bad. But it's just, is how bad? It's you know like okay, are you the worst team of all time? No, you're just bad. Okay, you know for NFC East, that's like a world beater. So I don't know. <laughs> the Giants, are not, the, the Giants are not as uh, screwed as I thought they would be about a month ago. That honestly, true. I wouldn't be surprised at any team, any of these four teams winning the division at this point. Cowboys, I'd be shocked the Cowboys did. I, I would. You get if Andy Dalton comes back for three games. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, for three wins together, you got a chance. That's what I'm saying. Uh, if Andy Dalton oh comes God. back and plays okay, the Cowboys could easily win this division. Um, you know, if if Alex Smith plays consistent and uh, shakes off the rust, that Washington defensive line is nasty enough to win them this division. Giants looked pretty decent. Uh, Eagles, who who the fuck knows? Not me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying any team could win this. It's 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 that's why it's the antithesis of the NFC West because it's up for grabs, but it's just garbage. So, anyways, yeah. Let's move on. We have our games of the week for week 11. Um, let's start off with one that we touched on a little bit, but has major playoff implications and is a potentially exciting matchup that we, uh, a rematch of a game that we saw earlier this season. We have the Cardinals at the Seahawks. Durgan. Yeah, this is a huge game uh, for playoff implications. Uh, I'm going to go with Seattle, 31-28. There's going to be rain in the forecast. Uh, which makes you think that the Cardinals having more dynamic running ability uh, have some advantage. But Kyler Murray plays in a dome in Arizona, played his college ball at Texas A&M where it doesn't rain all too often, and Russell Wilson has been playing in Seattle for 10 years, so he's much more accustomed to the rain. Uh, and also, Russell Wilson has looked so bad as of late, he has to eventually bounce back. He's way too talented a player to keep this turnover streak going. Chris Carson looks like he'll be back. Not positive, but he should be. But the Seattle defense needs to figure it out. I mean, Jamal Adams, for what they paid him, has been a total bust so far. Uh, yeah, he's had some good moments, especially early in the year where he had some sacks, uh, some impact plays. But when you're getting up two first-round picks for a safety, that guy better be Brian Dawkins, Ronnie Lott, a, you know, an impact player. Uh, and right now, he's not. So, uh, I'm I don't like picking the Seahawks here. I'm not too confident in them. But Russell Wilson, uh, I just can't see him playing this bad. Yeah, but that you said that last week as well. And that's I know. why I'm taking Eventually I'll be right. The Cardinals. Um I got the Cardinals winning thirty four to twenty seven. I think they're playing as more complete football than the Seahawks right now. Sort of from the top bottom. I mean, they have yep. better QB play. They're playing better on defense. Uh, the receivers don't get completely shut out of games like DK did last game against the Rams. And this is a chance for the Cardinals to really take control of that division and sweep the Seahawks. Um, that would sort of eliminate the Seahawks from from really winning that division, I feel like. Um, and then it would just be a battle between the Rams and the Cardinals. And Wilson has not been playing well. I mean, three of the last four games, like I mentioned earlier, he has had turnovers, three turnovers in, in three of the last four games. Um, and if the, the Seahawks want a chance, they're going to have to have Wilson from weeks one through six show up. And if that's not the guy that shows up and there's a guy that turns over the ball, uh, they're going to have a really tough time. We, we sort of talked about it early in the season when Seattle was winning all these close shootouts back and forth games and uh, how that leaves them susceptible to some losses if a couple things don't go their way. Well, a couple things not going their way, like Russell Wilson throwing an interception or fumbling the ball, is all it takes to lose those games. And, and right now the Cardinals are playing better football. So I'm, I'm rolling with the Cardinals. Yeah, this was a tough one for me because I really want to root for the Cardinals. I feel like they're sort of an underdog story in the NFC West. You know, going into the season, they were probably expected at least by most to be last place in that division, even though they're a good team and it's just a competitive division. Um, so it would be sort of poetic to see them kind of take that plunge forward and, and, uh, secure themselves in that top spot 
But that being said, I think it's more realistic that they split on the season between the Seahawks and Cardinals. Um, this is a game where I, I feel like Russell Wilson and that roster and Pete Carroll will kind of have their backs against the wall a little bit. They'll realize what you're saying, Casey, where if you drop this game, you've dropped a lot, essentially. You basically dropped the division, um, and you're, you're then you have to, to focus on winning that wild card spot. So I don't know. I mean, they've lost three out of the last four, and I feel like Seattle's going to have a little bit of a fire under their ass on this one and, and come out uh, swinging. So I, I don't necessarily have a rational, logical explanation for why. But I just feel like this is a game where you see Russell Wilson do what Russell Wilson does and take it over. And Kyler Murray, while great, isn't at that point in his career yet where I think he can show up in moments like this that matter uh, the way Russell Wilson can. That's not to say that Kyler Murray doesn't ball out and make big plays. We just saw that last week. But I think Russell Wilson will take this. But it'll be fun and close. So I'm going to say Seahawks 37, Cardinals 30. Would also still be excited and potentially happy if the Cardinals won, but I got to pick the Seahawks. Let's move on to our next game. We got the Chiefs at the Raiders. Uh, Durgan, what do you got here? Yeah, so the Chiefs have one loss this year, and that was to the Raiders. Uh, so now we have the Raiders at home this time. But I see it going a little bit differently. I got the Chiefs 41-27. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has somehow, in my opinion, fallen a little bit under the radar I mean, look at his numbers. He has 25 touchdowns and one interception. He's on pace to have a better season than his MVP season two years ago. Uh, kind of taken for granted because he has been the best the past two years. That We don't realize how great he has been this year. And the Raiders' defense, yeah, they played well against the Broncos, but the Chiefs are not the Broncos. Um, I think it would be a shootout early. I'm not saying that the Raiders had no chance. The scoreline kind of shows blowout, but I think it will be close until the very end. Uh, and... Ultimately, Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense will be too much for the Raiders, who just put two more guys on the COVID list, uh, Cleveland Farrell, who's been absolutely useless this year, and LaMarcus Joyner. Well, that uh, may influence my pick, but for the moment, I'm going to stay strong with the Raiders. Barring injury, uh, I'm all in on the Raiders for the rest of the year. I will not waver in my devotion to their potential. I think they, they're sort of like in the driver's seat, at least for getting a wild card. I don't know if they're going to win the division, um, but they beat the, the Browns. They have a lot of tiebreakers over a lot of the AFC teams. Um, they play Miami later on in the year, sneaky good game, like week 16 or so. They play Tua and the, and the Dolphins, potentially for one of the last playoff spots there. Um, but... Even if they don't win this game, I'm, I'm still rocking with the Raiders. I'm still picking them to win, though. 35-31. to 31, uh, They forced turnovers against the Broncos. That defense has been playing well, even though they just lost two guys to COVID. Um, so if that develops into something more serious, I reserve the right to at least change my pick in the pick them on our, uh, our the website. Uh, I'll, I'll ride with this for the, uh, the, the podcast picks, though. Um, but... I mean, they, they sort of won in a different way against the Broncos. That running game got going. Josh Jacobs is a beast. And Carr didn't really have to do much. And when things are going as well as they were on the ground, he doesn't have to. The big thing this year, I think, is that when Carr is called upon to do stuff like he was in, in the last Chiefs game, he got things done. And he's playing really, really well. I think he's a sneaky MVP candidate if the Raiders continue to go on a little bit of, streak, of a streak here and, and maybe even, you know, make a, a run at the division if they they sweep the chiefs they're one game back all of a sudden and they have the tiebreaker over them uh you know Derek Carr is a top five quarterback rating right now and uh people aren't talking about him he's sort of the forgotten man but they're playing really well in uh, las vegas this year uh first off i don't believe you i think you're gonna waver more than anyone's ever wavered how dare <laughs> <But> you <laughs> i will say this look there's look. There's no way the Chiefs get swept by the Raiders. It's not going to happen. They dropped a game to the Raiders. It was still a one-score game. Um, that being said, the Raider, the the Chiefs look human this year more so than I think last year. They've been in some close games with some average teams. Uh, but Derek Carr had one of the best games of his potentially his career last time they played the Chiefs, and Mahomes had sort of a middle of the road performance overall for what we expect from Mahomes. I don't think that Derek Carr can emulate that same sort of. 350 yard three to three to four touchdown game um this this time out so i think the chiefs take this pretty handedly um that being said i like the raiders i think they're a dark horse team i think a lot of people underestimate them they've they've shown up this year 
uh, more so than people would have expected. And, and I think Gruden's kind of vindicated himself and, and the $10 million man and the money that he's making. <laughs> but this Chiefs team just won the Super Bowl, and they didn't lose many pieces. This is an elite team, and they have the best quarterback in the league at uh, a very young age, right in the prime of his career. I can't pick against the Chiefs against this Raiders team. Even even last time I, I picked the Chiefs and they lost by a score, I can't pick against them again. So if they're, if they're, if they're swept by the Raiders, I'll be extremely shocked, but i got to take the Chiefs. I'm going to say 34-28. to 28. Uh, fun, fun matchup. Raiders will be fun to watch, but won't win. Let's go on to the next game here. We got Titans at Durgan's favorite team, the Ravens. What do we think shakes out here, Durgan? Who do you got? I, I think I already know just based on your general opinions, but take us through it. Give me the Titans 27-24. The Lamar apologists are running out of excuses. Now I'm hearing today that he doesn't have enough weapons. Come on, how many years did Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson have elite-level weapons? I mean, yeah, now they have better scenarios being, but for years, Aaron Rodgers was throwing to one guy nobody else. For years, Russell Wilson had Doug Baldwin, an undrafted guy, and Tyler Lockett, up-and-coming receiver years ago, not now. So if you're an MVP, you know, you make your teammates better. And, uh, you know, I don't like the guy as a player personally. I should take back. I like him as a player. He's an incredible athlete, but he's not a good thrower, which ultimately you have to be as an elite quarterback. But what it comes down to is that this is more of a must-win game for the Titans than it is for the Ravens, in my opinion. The Ravens, they'll, they'll run – they'll – lose this game i think and then they'll lose to the steelers and then they'll win everything else which still gives them 11 wins so they'll they'll be in the playoffs i'm pretty sure the titans they're on a cold streak right now they have to win this game and you're on the road if you're titans you play extra you know aggressive take deep shots with Tannehill, look for aj brown early and often and of course feed the big fellow derrick henry 40 times a game for my and cyrus's fantasy team's sake feed that man Feed that man, but uh, it'll be a close one. It'll be down to the wire, but give me Titans. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I won't touch Lamar, the, the Lamar stuff. We touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, <laughs> do you want to uh, run through the Packers wide receivers that Aaron Rodgers has had? Because I feel like it's better than just one weapon in, in history. It's probably worse now than it has been. Yeah, the thing is, Lamar doesn't have even one weapon. You know, he doesn't have Devontae Adams. He's never had a guy that's that's done particularly good i think people think of the the super bowl that aaron Rodgers won with greg jennings and jordy nelson and james jones and randall cobb after that but since then it's been pretty desolate it's been Devonte mm-hmm. adams who you know struggled for quite some time and the packers coincidentally have also struggled uh the last three years before uh uh, Matt LaFleur came along, you know, th- they did not play very well and they missed the playoffs. Mm, Mike um, McCarthy. So, yeah, uh, yeah. coaching plays a, an no impact defense. too. And like you, you mentioned a little bit with, you know, Greg Roman is the, the offensive scheme has to be a little bit inventive and, and not predictable. And, you know, it's it's tough. I, he's, he's still a young player. And I think, like you said, he's a great player. He's not a great thrower right now. That doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback and a not, a, not a good player. But as a quarterback, he definitely has some room to grow still. And, uh, you know, with an abbreviated offseason, he doesn't have as much time to work on that with his team, et cetera, et cetera. That's really the next step. We've all known it for a long time. He's, you know, average at this point, I would say. If he was unable to throw, if he was like in Drew Locke's position where he's unable to throw, uh, or unable to run and making these mistakes and and struggling mechanically, I think the the leash is obviously a lot shorter. But because he adds more than just throwing the ball, uh, I think he's still a very high caliber player, very dynamic. And because of that, you know, you don't have to be super super hard on him because he's still growing. And and in the meantime, he can it's still move the offense and stuff like that. Anyways. Slight aside, I'm picking the Titans, all that being said, as I uh, tried to be a Lamar apologist, as Durgan would describe it. Um, <laughs> and the Titans got to fix that special teams because they they struggled mightily against the Colts. Um, they had a shanked punts. They, they fucking hired a guy from FedEx or something like that, like two days before <laughs> the game, and he shanked the punt. He had one blocked. Um, they had bad recur- return coverage. And uh, Guskowski has been missing field goals left and right. Very inconsistent there. He'll hit like a 55-yarder and then shank a 30-yarder. And eventually that's going to bite you in the butt, especially when you're playing good teams. Um, All that being said, I trust the offense of the Titans a little bit more than I do the offense of the Ravens. Um, And because of that, I'm taking the Titans in a relatively low-scoring game, 20-14. to Yeah, I think this will low-key be one of the most exciting matchups of the week, Um, AFC battle. 
I got to take the Titans as well in this one. Uh, Derrick Henry hype train fantasy implications for myself biased a little bit, but I think the Titans are a more well-rounded team at this point on offense. Maybe not as good of a defense, but still more well-rounded. And I like Vrabel. I think he's a great head coach. So I, I got to go with the Titans. The Ravens haven't looked like the dominant force we expected on really either side of the ball. Um, their defense is still pretty good, but they haven't really dominated teams the way you expect. And I think the uh, the Titans will bounce back a little bit here and, and have a good showing. But I'm going to say this is a barn burner and hey. take the Titans 28-27 to against the Ravens. Let's move on to our next game. we got Casey's Packers against the Colts. Durgan. Yes. Uh, well, to me, it comes down to a very basic problem. Would you rather have Rodgers or Rivers? Everybody and their mother is going to pick Rodgers. Uh, both defenses, I think, will play actually pretty well. But the game on the line, Aaron Rodgers is going to come through in the clutch. Uh, 24-17, Packers. Uh, Colts do play relatively well at home. But Rodgers, you know, they have been playing not great as of late, the Packers. Uh, they have just a better offense. They have good pass rushers to put pressure on Rivers. And that ultimately uh, will sink the Colts this season is Phillip Rivers. Yeah, sort of like you mentioned, the Packers have not been playing all that well. And there's some very key injuries that the Packers have. They were out without Kevin King and Jair Alexander in their last game against the Jaguars where they struggled. Um, Devontae Adams also tweaked his ankle and came back in late, but he didn't look totally healthy. And they're going to need all three of those guys if they want to beat a a very good Colts team. They might not be explosive on offense like we talked about, but this is the Packers' first real test since Tampa Bay. Um, And the thing is the Colts have a defense they can sort of match what Tampa Bay did, which was bring a lot of pressure, have some athletic linebackers, um, stop the run game with the Forrest Buckner up front, and so that may pose a little bit of a, a, an issue for the Packers. And I think this might be a, a relatively low-scoring game. I'm going to take the Packers, 23-20. Uh, to 20. Um, I, I just expect the Packers to, to be gashed. This might be Jonathan Taylor's coming out game. Um, so if you have an opportunity maybe to pick up Naheem Hines or something like that, go do that in fantasy um, because the Packers are still struggling there. I just don't think the Colts are going to be quite dynamic enough on offense if the Packers are fully healthy to, to score enough points to keep up. So taking the Packers 23 to 20. You guys are more conservative than myself here. I think, you know, even look, the Packers struggled against a pretty bad Jacksonville team last week. Uh, they still managed to win. Casey said, you know, he said something, win is a win is a win is a win, is a win blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think this Packers team is still one of the most dominant teams in the NFC right now. And hot take time. This is probably the, the take that Casey, just keep your pants on. Get, you know, don't get too excited. <laughs> I honestly think the Packers could sweep the rest of the season, could win out the rest of the season. Mm. There are how many games we got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. I could see them going 7-0 and the rest of the season. The schedule is a little bit soft. This is probably the hardest game you have. Maybe, maybe the Titans... Uh, yeah, those two are going to be the toughest games, but they're both winnable in my opinion. And the, the big issue is going to be, can you stop the run? Can you contain the Colts and prevent the Colts from running wild? You see what I did there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you like that? Yeah. If you can even remotely stop the run, maybe bend, not break type situation and don't allow some crazy big plays. I think the Packers have a great shot health permitting. You know, this is a great team. Lafleur's done a phenomenal job this season um and when everything is is firing it's firing on all cylinders so i i gotta take the packers uh 30 colts 20 and my hot take you heard it here first if it happens then you know i'm a genius <laughs> the packers could win out the rest of the season let's i appreciate move. that uh, uh you like confidence that? i yeah, figured yeah, you'd like that you. yeah <laughs> um let's move on to the the rams at the bucks that's our next game this should be an exciting one too durgan what do you think yes uh should be the game of the week in my opinion uh, I'm gonna go with the Bucks 28-21. The Bucks should be the best team in the NFC. I'm not saying they are, but they should be. A lot of talent, a lot of weapons. A little inconsistent for my liking, but they seem. I think this past weekend's the Panthers, who have terrible defense. So I'm not trying to uh, sugarcoat that part. But offensively, they seem to kind of turn a corner. I mean, Ronald Jones looked very good, and uh, Brady was kind of spreading the ball out, which he should be doing. That's why they don't need Antonio Brown because they have a lot of weapons as it is. Um, and I'm not overly sold on Goff, the Rams' offense, uh, which is kind of like 
unlike the Rams teams of the past, they've been a team that's been moving the ball left and right. Still a good offense, but this Bucks defense I really like and get a lot of pressure on you. Andrew Whitworth is out for this game. So a lot of opportunity for JPP, uh, Shaq Barrett to wreak havoc on Goff. And we all know Goff, when pressured, is a totally different quarterback. So they're going to do a lot of, I think, one, two-step drops. But if those cornerbacks for the Bucks can guard for that long, then it'll be a long day for uh, this offense. Should be a tight game, though, uh, but give me a team with more talent. Yeah, I, uh, you know, the inconsistency is what really gets me in this game with the, the Bucks. And the one thing that is consistent, I think, with the, the Rams is the defense. I already slobbered all over them earlier with my winner. Um, and that's the side of the ball that I trust more in this whole matchup. Not, you know, the, the Buccaneers offense or the Buccaneers defense or the Rams offense. It's the Rams defense. And Tom Brady has been 3 of 28 on passes that are 20-plus yards down the field since week five. Uh, that's sort of what Arians' offense is predicated on. I think Arians is a great coach, but he is slightly inflexible in adapting his schemes and tailoring it to, to what's going on. He's got the skill weapons to go deep, but Tom Brady has not been very good going deep. And um, it, it, because of that, I think McVay and Brandon Staley are going to be a little bit more adaptable and come up with a scheme that's going to give Tampa Bay some trouble again. Uh, and if you can force Brady into to some bad decisions, keep two high safeties and make it even harder to go deep, um, you know, I, I think the Rams are going to have a good shot. And because of that, I'm going to take the Rams 27 to 17. Like you said, their offense hasn't been super explosive, but they're getting the job done. They're doing enough to, to, to keep their defense off the field, give them a little bit of breaks, string some drives together that uh, give them some rest. And uh, I, I'm feeling good about the Rams. They're, they're, they're turning the corner a little bit the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I think in this one, um, it is it is a boomer bust situation, like you mentioned, with the Bucks, And we saw that, I think, in the past two weeks. It's sort of a microcosm of, of their mm -hmm. season in general. I mean, you saw an absolutely terrible performance against the Saints, where I think they put up three points. Um, I somehow managed to start Tom Brady when he was <laughs> on, on that week on my fantasy team. Worst decision of my life. But then you see them bounce back and, and put up over 500 yards against Carolina. So this team, and Carolina, I mean, okay, Carolina is not necessarily the Saints, but Carolina has been playing well this season. They've lost they their number one weapon, and they still played pretty solidly. So let's give them a little credit there. But the Bucks, man, when they are when they get going, they're hard to stop. I think this is a team that has all of the weapons that any team would need on offense, um, and they're pretty good on defense too. So I think the Bucks, if they can play consistently, will be able to outscore the Rams, even if the Rams defense is playing like one of the top defenses in the league. Um, this will be interesting. Both of these teams need to win this to stay in the hunt for their divisions. So I, while they're not in the same division, there's still huge playoff implications here for both teams. Uh, so I think they'll both be hungry, and I think it'll be fun because of that. So I'm excited for this one. Like you said, Durgan, this might be the game of the week to look out for. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Nice. Uh, that's going to wrap things up here. I mean, you guys have any final thoughts before we say farewell to our beautiful listeners? Uh, not really. Not really. No. Niner suck. That's about it. Yeah, Eagles suck too. <laughs> Packers, Packers suck, are no? doing pretty good. Well, actually, Nick, Nick Mullen sucks. I'll just rephrase that. Nick Mullen sucks. Fair. I hate him. Yeah, you guys Fair. had a 10-point lead against the Saints. That's, you know, it's not nothing. Yeah. You Nick lost that lead, but yeah. Nick yeah, actually, happened. I was surprised the, the way that game went, but um but yeah let's wrap things up there on episode 65 of the weekly spiral thank you guys for sticking with us we really appreciate all the support and uh your listenership here with us let's uh let's pass the ball over to casey to talk about some content he has coming up uh that you should be on the lookout for casey what do you got yeah if you want to learn more about the the rams defense and how they're using jalen ramsey to help them even in the run game uh, and, and free up their safeties, and they're using an interesting front that you don't see all the time. It's sort of an old-school front um, called the Eagle Front, um, and they're having Ooh. a lot of success with that. So uh, if you want to check that out, you can, it'll probably be out on Thursday. You can go check out the, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash weekly spiral. Awesome, awesome. Durgan, what about you? Anything the listeners should look out for? Yes, scouting report on the king of the hill, Kylan Hill from... Mississippi State. This guy actually, fun fact, helped in changing their state flag. It was a former oh. like Confederate base flag, the Mississippi State flag, and he helped change that. So, pretty cool story about that guy. 
Nice. Yeah, that's super cool. That's super cool. Looking forward to that for sure. Uh, this has been a, a weekly spot production, bringing you fresh football every single week. Thank you again for sticking with us on episode 65. We hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day, night, morning, whenever you're listening to this, it is awesome. And we will catch you next week for episode 66.